0: Praise the Lord. Once again, greetings to you all in the mighty, wonderful name of our Lord and the Savior Jesus Christ. And it's my privilege to stay with you and to share God's Word. <coughs> Let's pray. Dear Father, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be pleasing unto you. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters, In today's world, during this COVID-19 or the continual lockdowns, especially... In the Christian kingdom or Christendom, as we say, what are we hearing and listening or watching through medias or social medias brings us or reminds us only two things. We are in the last days, and the signs of the last means the coming of the Lord is soon. And we have to prepare ourselves. We say accept the Lord, obey the Lord, know Him and come closer to God by spending more time in meditation and prayer. This is what going on. On the other side, the financial crisis everywhere. The situation like cost-cutting, salary reductions, or losing job, or there are messages what we continually receive, including from our church, are mostly based on the encouragement. Encouraging, edifying, of course, it is from the Word of God. For today's meditation, is from Romans 8 31 to 39 as I said in the beginning of this service being the first Friday of this month which is our communion service supposed to be a communion service so meditation about the birth death resurrection risen of Christ secondly I titled the message It is of spiritual blessings. Because to a child of God, spiritual blessing is most important than any other blessing. Let everyone say any other blessing. Why? This is God's desire concerning us. And only this can help us to make heaven, this is God's desire—the desire of the God, the Father, for every one of His children to be with Him forever. That is His desire. So, in that case, what I say—more than the material and the spiritual material blessings, the spiritual blessing is most important to us. Verse 831 of Romans start like this. What then shall we say to these things? What are these things? These things mean start from verse 1 of Roman 8th chapter. In this chapter, Paul amplifies or magnifies on the freedom from sin found in Jesus Christ. Freedom from sin found in Jesus Christ. When you go through a background or a summary of what is said before that is from verse 1 from 1 to 7, 17 it is says about in Christ there is freedom from sin. First, those in Christ who are walking according to the Spirit there is no condemnation of for sin. For the death of Christ, for sin has set us free from the law of sin and death by fulfilling the requirement of the law. That is from 1 to 4. Secondly, 5 to 8, what it says? By setting our minds on the things of the Spirit, not the flesh, we are able to enjoy life and peace, pleasing God. When we move on to 9 to 17, 9 to 17 of Roman 8. We now enjoy the indwelling of the Spirit of God, by whom we can put to death the deeds of the body, and enjoy both present and the future blessings as the children of god so in when you go through this first thing is the spirit of god will fulfill and secondly we set our minds on the things of the spirit thirdly the same spirit dwell in us the second part of this one is from 18 to 39, it says about the blessings of being children of God, which is the title of our message today. The blessings being God's children are enlarged upon the rest of the chapter. Our present suffering means nothing in view of our ultimate redemption and revealing for which we eagerly and patiently wait. We have the privilege of the Holy Spirit and Jesus Christ interceding for us when we pray, which assures that all things will work together for good for those who call according to God's purposes for those who called according to God's purposes. I believe we are all called according to God's purposes. That means all things, all things, whatever the things you are facing now, with you or within your family, all things will work together. For good for those who call according to God's purposes. Finally in this what we understand. As God chosen. We have the assurance that. Nothing can split us away from God's love. And that in all things. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So this is the summary or introduction of. Romans chapter 8, from 1 to 30 and 39. But now our portion is, meditation is, from 31 to 39. Actually I am choosing or using from ESV version, but I am not going to read the whole portion, but we will touch here and there from the same portion of the Bible today. So, according to Paul, then there is no place for discouragement. That is what he means. When he began verse 31, we know that. What then shall we say these things? Now, the Apostle Paul gloriously throws these five questions before us. And it was challenge anyone to object or oppose according to your spiritual condition. There are five questions here that we are going to meditate. So he challenges anybody and everybody in heaven, earth or even hell to answer them and to deny Truth which they contain. But there is no answer. Why? Here, for no one and nothing can harm the people of God. Whom God has foreknown, predestined, called, justified and glorified. Let me say it again, I believe, I believe we are the children of God, we are the children of God, people of God. So here it says, as the people of God, whom God has foreknown, I can say we are foreknown, We are predestined, we are called, and we are justified and glorified. This is what the Bible says. Now, let's think about what Paul had told us in Romans. Beloved, there is nothing that can touch our souls. Nothing. Everything that happens in this world... Whether good things or trials will only make us more like Jesus. Can you say that? Can you believe that? What the Bible says is the Bible says everything that happens in this world whether good things or trials will only make us as a child of God to us, will make us more like Jesus. Nothing can take us from God's sovereign hands. We are forever belongs to Him, no matter what comes on our way. Amen. Amen. Let God's children say amen to that within you, even though I cannot hear. So within your heart, when you say you are agreeing to what God promised to you. Okay, let's move on from chapter 8 verse 31. Chapter 8 verse 31b. If God is for us, this is the first question of Paul putting before us. If God is for us, who can be against us? I am very glad, Paul did not simply say, who can be against us. I hope you understand. If you put like, you, who can be against us, you may have many things to say. If you would have just said like that, Rightly conclude where you are. Maybe so many things you could have brought. You may mention about, about your job, about your wife, about your family, about your relatives. So many things may see, you may see. But, Paul is very clear in this. What it says, If God is for you, He begins with, If God is for you, who can be against us? so the world and its fallen system is against us whatever it is in your whatever in your mind but according to him what we understand the world and its fallen system is against us the devil is against us but that is not what is says will separate us that's what his question paul begins with an, all surrounding symbolic questions. If God is for us, who is against us? So here, the obvious implication is that if anyone were able to rob us of our salvation they would have to be greater than God himself because he is both the giver And the sustainer of our salvation. God is the giver. It is He who sustains us. To a Christian. Paul is asking. In effect. Who could possibly take away. Our no condemnation status. 8.1 says. Is there anyone stronger than God. Or our creator of everything and everyone who exists. No. None. So the world is sinful system is fighting against us. That is only. It wants us to conform to his image. It wants us to keep to keep us free, away from our God, serving him and loving Our Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, the flesh is fighting us. We learn in Romans that now as believers, there is war between our spirit and our flesh. Maybe some of you, you cannot accept it. But that is true. Even though you are a believer, or whatever, however strong you are, There is always war or conflict between our flesh and spirit. That is the truth. The flesh always wants to hinder us and get us off track in order to follow its lust. Third enemy is the devil and his army of demons are very much Our adversaries, they hate us because we are made in God's image and because we are redeemed. But none of these things can compare to God and in fact God created each of them. Here is the point, the entire Bible really, God is for us. God is for us. Can you say that? God is for us. God is for us. us. If you are a struggling Christian, listen, God is for you. If you are struggling in one or the other way, the message to you is, God is for you. So you need not think, It is any other way. God is on our side. He is a warrior king who comes to our help. If you are in Christ, you are on the same side where our God is. If you are a Christian, if you are in Christ, or if Christ is in you, you are on the same side where our God is. All the powers of the hell and the world could come against us, but they will never prevail because God is for us in Jesus Christ. Say Amen. They will never prevail, prevail because God is for us in Jesus Christ. So, dear children of God, as I said, if God is for us, who can stand against us? No, nothing, no one will come against us because God is for us. We are for Christ. Second question, Paul addresses. Chapter 8 verse 32. Chapter 8, verse 32. He who did not spare his own son, but gave himself for us all, how will he not also with him graciously, freely give us all things? All things. Let me read it again. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously or freely give us all things? That is the maximum he could give that was given. There is nothing God withheld from himself to give it to us. That is the last and that is the maximum. So, there is nothing. So, on based on that, again, are we not glad that Paul did not just write, Will God not give us all things? No. The truth is, we need many things, some of which are very costly and vital to our survival and our spiritual growth. Or, how can we be sure? God will meet our need. Let us look at Paul's logic here. What he is telling us here? The very God, we are asking the question, will he meet our needs, is the same God who has given Christ to die on our behalf. There could never be a costlier gift than the death of Jesus for us. According to Paul, God has given us his absolute most precious possession, and we need not doubt that he would withhold other less costly gift. God is our heavenly father very dear to us who will abundant gift great gifts on his children in giving us his Son, He gave us everything. The cross is the guarantee of the continual unfa- unfailing generosity of our God. Jesus' sacrifice on the cross not only is the foundation of our salvation but also our security because. The Father loved us so much, while we were still under condemnation. The Bible says, 2 Corinthians 5.21, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, we become righteous. And also Galatians 1 four says, Let me say, because the Son loved us so much while we were still under condemnation, He gave Himself for our sins, that He might deliver us out of this present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. So there are many scriptures. Even if you go through Ephesians chapter one verse three to nine, you know what is our position. What is our position? And, be, and uh, I don't know whether I can go through it. Ephesians chapter one, three to nine. I leave it with you. I think you can go through it. That confirms that what are the spiritual and heavenly blessings what God has given to us as his children. The third question Paul put before us is verse 33 Romans chapter 8 verse 33 Who shall bring any charge against God's elect. It is God who justifies. Let me put this question. Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? Are you God's elect? The previous scriptures confirms and assures you that you are chosen by God. It is is not everyone. You are chosen you are the elect. Can you say, you are the God's elect? If it's so, the question is, who shall bring any charge against you? Let us imagine that. There would be enemies trying to accuse us of some sin, or even trying to convince God that, we are guilty of some crime that would make our salvation unacceptable or invalid. If you are a child of God, somebody or something may say that you are so and so in the past. And you are not supposed to be called as a children of God or do worthy for it. People may say, or anybody, anything may say. But, here the answer is, what he says, <clears throat> we are guilty of some crime, that's what they says, but here is the amazing truth, some accusations may even be true, but it does not matter, why it does not matter, because it is God the judge who justifies, not the people, not the world, What of your circumstances, who accuse you before God, your salvation is wrong, or your life is wrong, whatever they say it. But, that does not separate us, because our God is the judge, and He is the one who justifies. If you stand before God, right, according to your conscience, Nothing can separate you. It is not the people or not the things. It is God who judges you. Since God has declared us the righteous in Christ, no accusation will stick to us. Satan is called the accuser of the brethren and may accuse us for various things. But the accusations do not matter because God's death as Paid for our sin. And one who is responsible to render our verdict as already justified us. It is not only God is for us who is the church. And the penalty was paid by our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross. That is the second assurance. So in its theological sense, justification is purely legal term. It describes what God declares about a believer. Not what he does to change the believer. No. Let me uh, say it again. It describes what God declares about a believer, about us. Not what he does to change the believer. Thirdly, the justification is a divine judicial law or a statement. It changes our status only, but it carries consequences that guarantee other changes will follow. Justification is by faith, not by works. It comes to us as a free gift of God based on the faith that He also gives us. So it is by faith, not by work. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, that comes from the law. But, that which comes through faith, In Christ the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So clear, it is so transparent. So you need not go and search for it. So what else you need? The word of God confirms that how we are justified and what means. Also, there can be no charge brought against God's elect because they have already been declared righteous through faith. The only judge who can declare the verdict has already declared as just and righteous. We are just and we are the righteous. Notice how closely Paul's words also echo in Isaiah chapter 50, uh, verse 8 and 9. Isaiah chapter 50. Verses 8 and 9. He who vindicates me is near. Who will contend with me? Let us stand up together. Who is my adversary? Let him come near to me. Behold, the Lord God helps me. Who will declare me guilty? Behold, all of them will wear out like a garment. And the moth will eat them up. So. Nothing can. Or bring any charge against us. Because we are the elect. We are chosen. It is God who justifies us. Sometimes even. We may think of. It is by our, let me go, and then we will come back to that point. (coughs) So, fourthly, the fourth question, verse 34. Verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us? So, it is good to remember on this day as we always consider and celebrate the communion. Why is this scripture very specially reminds us of the death, the resurrection? And the coming of the Lord. Uh, What is his position right now? He is at the right hand of God, indeed, interceding for us. Interceding for you. Why he has to intercede? You know it. You should not be condemned. So, here, what we understand. Why condemnation for God chose is an impossibility. Paul takes us to the cross again. Because Jesus Christ died to pay for all the sins that could condemn us. There is nothing left for our accuser to use against us. Who are those who would try to condemn us again? The accuser of the brethren, the devil, the accuser tries. Our enemies might try. even me may we may even try through our guilt. If you commit anything, you may have the guilt. Even though you are accepted Christ, you are saved when you face any situation, any trials, or any afflictions, you may think that yourself, it is maybe because of my fathers and forefathers, and so on. Because I did this in the past, I am suffering now. No, that's what the Bible says. Whatever you try to condemn ourselves. That does not work either. That's what I say. It is not only the accuser, not only the devil, nor the enemy, and even ourselves we may have guilt. That guilt is not by us, it is our accuser who brings it. So in that case, even that cannot condom, supposed to condemn us. One John 320. What it says, for whenever our heart condemns us, whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and he knows everything. Is it not wonderful? Is it not wonderful the Bible says about who our God is? Most of the thing, most of the time, or some of the time, we suffer because of this. Why? We do not know the scripture. We do not know what the Bible says about us, who we are. Unnecessarily, we ourselves accuse, or we ourselves condemn, it is reasoning out because of that, because of this, and so on. But the Bible is very clear. Whenever our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart. And He knows everything. If you believe, say Amen to that louder. My beloved brothers and sisters, even if we desire to condemn ourselves, even that would not work. No one, Nor anything as the ability to condemn people of Christ. Because Christ died for us. So he takes us to the cross. Secondly, he proves that the death of Christ was eternally effectual for all God's people. Because to prove it. God raises Christ from the grave. God raised Christ from the grave. Paul takes us to the cross. Then he takes us to the empty tomb. To prove that the full payment has been made for us. It is not only the cross. Again the empty tomb testifies and acknowledges that. And encourages us we are not, even we should not condemn ourselves. Now, that is, that is, if that was not enough, thirdly, Paul takes us to the throne room of God, where Jesus Christ is currently interceding for us. His very presence at the Father's right hand is also a proof that His work is finished. The crucified, risen and the interceding Jesus Christ is for us. Who is to condemn? These blessings are confidently to those who have Christ in their life. Who have in the sense, who can follow Christ. Who will love God. Who will love and follow Him. For them, these are all the assurance. The cross, the empty tomb. And the present position of our Lord Jesus Christ, if three fruits are there for us, who has to cond- Who will condemn us? There is no answer. There is no one to condemn God's people. There is no one. Nothing can condemn God's children. If you are child of God, jump and shout. Amen to that. That's your position. Fifthly, what is the fifth question? Verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, distress means trouble, worry, suffering, sorrow, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sweat. All these things you may think these are all the end times that will come not now. But, dear children of God, You compare, you imagine about the present world. Imagine about your present situation. If you are in trouble, whether in your family, in your job, in your finance, in your whatever it is, in your spiritual. If you are in trouble, if you are worried, if you are suffering, if you are sorrowful, to you, the word of God comes to you and encourages you. That cannot and never separate you from the love of Christ. Whether we love him or not, God loves us. It is easy to everyone to say God loves us. It is not only you my brother. Everyone in the world will say, every religion will say, God is love. God loves us. But there should be a sense, there should be a meaning, and when you when the world says or a non Christian says and you are saying if you say I love God means God is love means you love God. How much you love him, that shows your confidence in him. How much you love him shows. How much you obey him? How much you obey him? Other words, how much you follow him? So, this is only for those who love, obey, and follow him. To them, this is the promise. The love, nothing, no one can separate you. The trouble, worry, Suffering, sorrow, persecution, famine, nakedness, danger, whatever it is. None of the things will separate you from the love of Christ. God loves you. As it is written, For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. The Apostle Paul asks, is fifth question, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Can you say that no one can separate me from the love of Christ? Paul is asking this fifth question and then looking around and see if there is anything that can successfully separate us from God's love. He is so sure. That he even goes through the exhaustive list: shall tribulation, distress, danger, or even sweat, afflictions, trials. We learn only cause of God's people to more like Jesus, and God's love is seen through these things, dear brethren. Famine could not do it. Lack of material goods, even destitute, poor of very basic things, would not have the power to separate us from God's love. Even danger can't do it. What is your situation? You may fall in any one of this. If you are suffering for even the basic day-to-day meal, no, that should not, that will not separate you from the love of God. God loves you. That is his promise. Here Paul's experience of most of these examples and he concluded that even these very serious times of suffering, that when he had nothing else, he still had the love of God. 2nd Corinthians chapter 11, you can read, verses 23 to 28. 2nd Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 to 28. What are the things he has gone through. Let me read it, that is better. Are they servants of Christ? I am a better one. I am, take, I am talking like a madman with far greater labors, for more imprisonments, with countless beating, and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews, and forty lashes, less one. 3 times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned, 3 times I was shipwrecked, Year night and day I was adrift at sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers. it goes on, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure, and apart from other things, there is uh, the daily pressure on me of my anxiety, for all the churches what else i assure you i challenge you all of us who is watching here none of us has gone through any one of these things i can i believe it so even if you are going through any one of this the lesson is these things will never separate us from the love of God. None of these things will separate us from the love of God. So what is the Paul's conclusion? Verse 37 to 39 No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height or depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. What a great promise to us, what a great encouragement to us and as an obligation to us, how do these truths make you better fit to courageously follow our Lord Jesus Christ against all type of opposition or your trials if you say? Secondly, are there ways in which you are living in fear of being separated from God's love? No. That is up to you. As I am going to conclude, God is for us. No one, nothing can successfully Be against us. God is for us. Nothing can be against us. Secondly. God gave us Christ. He will also give us. Everything we need. Everything we need. As a child of God. God gave his son Jesus Christ to us. If he has given him, he will also give you everything of your need. Thirdly, God justifies us. There is no one can successfully accuse us. It is God who judges. It is he who justified us. We are just in his sight through his son no one can accuse us fourthly jesus is crucified he is risen and he is interceding for us no one can condemn us no one can condemn us fifthly god forever Loves us. His love is unconditional, unchanging. His love is forever. And if God loves forever, we are more than conquerors. We are more than conquerors. Not conquerors, more than conquerors. Amen. Sixthly, God loves us. We will never be separated from His love. We will never be separated from His love. So herewith, I end my message. May God bless each and every one of us. I thank God for the privilege what God has been to us. And I believe that all of you are encouraged by this word. Let us close our eyes, go to the Lord in prayer and I request our pastor Leslie to take the lead in prayer and conclude it.
1: Praise the Lord, Church.
0: Hallelujah. If you have your
1: Bibles with you, could you please turn with to 1st John chapter 4 verse 4 1st John chapter 4 verse 4 and I believe each of us sitting in our own homes uh, would be having our Bibles with us so we don't need to see it on screen we can open it in our own Bibles. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I'd like to repeat that last part because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. In fact, I'd like to modify that and read it this way. Because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Amen. Church, take a moment to reflect on the five questions we heard today. If God is for us, who can be against us, how shall he not Freely give us all things. Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who is he who condemns? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Now these are the questions that every one of us needs to answer right now. And even as we try to answer them, I would like to repeat these statements, but I would like to personalize them. Number one, if God is for me, who can be against me? Number two, how shall he not freely give me all things? Number three, who shall bring a charge against me? Number four, Who is he who condemns me? Number five, who shall separate me from the love of Christ? Church, in Christ, you and I are no longer condemned. Indeed, you and I are new creations. That is the blessing that we have. Being children of the one true living God at a time such as this at a time when the whole world lives in fear yet we are experiencing the blessings of God there is nothing that can happen to us there is nothing there is nobody who can touch you and me that is the Word of God And that word of God is not to your neighbor. That word of God is to you and to me. Church, let's pray. Let's just remember these words which we have heard. What pastor has brought to us so beautifully from the book of Romans. These are the questions for which we all know the answers. But we need to have the faith to believe the answers that we make. Because he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. Church, let's take a moment to thank God for the words which we have heard. Let's take a moment to thank God for the good health and life that he has given us. Let's take a moment to just thank God for everything. There is nothing that we have that does not that has not come from God. Church, let's just acknowledge God. Father, we thank you, Lord. We thank you for your word, which we heard right now, Lord Father. Indeed, Lord, when you are for us, who can be against us? And Father God, we know, Lord, that you are with us. You are for us. And therefore, I am safe. Every one of us here in this church today, we are safe in you, Lord. Our future is good. Our future is going to be more beautiful than it was in the past. Even through this time, Lord Father, at a time when the whole world is living in fear, you are renewing our minds, our spirits. You are making us better creations, Lord Father. And Father God, we are indeed thankful, Lord Father, that we are true recipients of every blessing that you are bringing across to us, Lord. Father God, it is with a grateful heart we come to you, Lord, Father. Grateful, Lord, that we can today stand in your presence, look to you, focus our eyes upon you, Lord, because we know, Lord, we know with a surety, Lord, that our hope is in you, our future is in you. Thank you, Father, for speaking to us. Thank you, Lord, for these encouraging words which we have heard this day, Lord, Father. And Father God, help us to live that life, Lord, of that hope and confidence in you. Anchoring our faith into you, Lord, Father. We thank you. We give glory to you, Lord. Father, we thank you for our pastor, Lord. We thank you for using him, Lord, Father. We thank you, Lord, for blessing him and his family, Lord, Father. And we pray, Lord, that your anointing will be poured out more upon him, Lord. That he will continue to guide us, lead us, mentor us, and take us forward, Lord, Father, every day, Lord, Father. We ask that your blessings be upon him and his family, Lord. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. Father, we pray for every one of us in our church and those listening to us this day, Lord, Father. Wherever we are, Lord, Father, whether in this city or in other places, Lord, Father, even other nations, Lord, Father. We pray, Lord, that your presence will be with us, Lord Father. That even as we choose to focus our eyes upon you, Lord Father, even as we choose to put our faith and our trust in you, and even as we look forward to a better tomorrow, Lord Father, Father God, build us up to be ready for that better tomorrow, Lord Father. We thank you. We praise you, Lord. We give all glory to you, Lord. Thank you, Father, for this time, Lord. In Jesus' most precious and holy name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Church, let's share the grace. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, Amen. and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, be with us now and Amen. Amen.
0: Surely, God's goodness and mercy shall follow us all the days of our life. We shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever. Amen.